American Catholic History is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello and welcome to American Catholic History. If you like our podcast, be sure to rate us and give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd like to say thank you to everyone who has given us a review so far. We are so humbled and flattered by what you've said about us. I'm Noelle Huster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Today we're talking about St. Josephat Basilica in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which was built entirely from materials salvaged from a demolished federal government building in Chicago. The Catholic Church has seen its share of churches confiscated by secular powers for non-sacred uses, and the Church has converted non-sacred buildings to churches. But this is a bit different. Right. I mean, in Rome, you'll find mismatched columns from different pagan temples inside ancient Catholic churches. But I'm not sure about an entire church of this magnificence being built entirely from materials salvaged from just one previous building as we have here. It's kind of like getting a Lego kit made to build one kind of thing and then reimagining each piece to build an entirely different, even nicer thing. So let's set the stage with the background of St. Joseph at Basilica. Well, it started with the mass immigration of Polish Catholics to Milwaukee in the latter half of the 19th century. The Kingdom of Poland had ceased to exist as an independent country in 1795, being divided between Prussia, Russia, and Austria. The Poles were historically strongly Catholic and had a strong sense of national pride. As overlords went, the Austrians were okay, since they too were Catholic, but the Prussians and Russians, not so much. The Prussians were in the process of unifying the various German nation-states into the German Empire, which they succeeded in forming in 1871. Part of that program meant breaking the power of the Catholic Church and making it subject to the state. So Poles, under German domination, suffered. The Russians were Orthodox, and that meant they rejected and sought to eradicate the authority of the Pope within the lands they dominated. So Poles in Russian-controlled territory suffered as well. This meant many Poles fled their homeland to find religious liberty, to avoid compulsory military service, and to find better lives. The United States, as it had been for French Catholics, Irish Catholics, German Catholics, and other persecuted European Catholics throughout the 19th century, became an oasis of liberty. Right. My own Polish ancestors came to the United States about this time. While they settled in Pittsburgh, Milwaukee also became a destination for many Poles. Right. From 1870 to 1900, Poles were the largest group of immigrants coming to Milwaukee. And by the end of the 19th century, they were second only to the Germans in total population. So naturally, with all of these new Catholics, more parishes were needed. Naturally. And in 1888, St. Josephat Parish was established on the south side of Milwaukee as the third Polish parish in the city. A small church was built, but it burned down within a year. A second church was built in 1889, but it was quickly too small for the parish, which had swelled to 12,000 parishioners. So in the mid-1890s, the pastor of the parish, Father Wilhelm Grutze, commissioned a new, enormous church. Father Grutze wanted a place that paid tribute to the proud Catholic Polish heritage of his parishioners, and that would be a destination for travelers for generations. Right. So up to this point, the story reminds me of the construction of the Basilica of St. Fidelis, known as the Cathedral of the Plains, built in Victoria, Kansas, by Volga German immigrants who flooded into Kansas, fleeing religious persecution. Their pastor decided to build a massive, impressive church after their first three churches proved inadequate for the growth of the community. 
listen to episode four of this podcast to learn the incredible story of the construction of St. Fidelis and how it became known as the Cathedral of the Plains. Now, there are significant parallels, but it's a story that repeats all over the country as waves of poor Catholic immigrants arrive and bring their faith with them. One big difference was the design philosophy chosen. Whereas the Volga Germans in Victoria went for a simple and more austere but beautiful design, Father Gutza wanted something more ornate and monumental. He wanted something in the then-popular Polish cathedral style. Right, and if you've ever driven on the Kennedy Expressway in Chicago, you've seen the Polish cathedral style. St. Mary of the Angels, St. Wenceslas, St. Stanislaus Kostka, St. Hedwig, Holy Trinity, and others rise above the surrounding buildings and just grab your eye with their majesty. Well, I've never been to Chicago or Milwaukee, but one such church near us is Immaculate Heart of Mary on Polish Hill in Pittsburgh. Plus, there are others in Cleveland, Buffalo, a few in New England, where I'm from, and pretty much anywhere large concentrations of Poles settled. So to get this epic church, Father Grutze hired the noted Catholic architect Erhard Brielmeier. Brielmeier was a German-born architect who, with his sons, designed and built over a thousand Catholic churches, hospitals, and schools in America and Canada in the late 1800s and into the 1900s. The new church Brielmeier designed was made of brick and modeled on St. Peter's Basilica in Rome in the shape of a Latin cross with a massive dome over the crossing. It was going to be epic. But just when the plans were nearly complete and construction was about to begin, a trip to Chicago changed everything. One day in 1896, Father Grutzo went to Chicago for some reason or other. While he was there, he learned that the massive stone federal building was being torn down to build a new one. This building housed the post office, the federal courts, and the customs office. And it was a fairly new building, having been completed in 1880. This was 1896, so the building was only 16 years old. Right, and not only that, but it had cost $6 million to build in 1880. That's nearly $152 million today. It was a magnificent stone structure with brass railings, light fixtures, and other beautiful elements all over the place. So why did it have to be torn down? Well, a few reasons. One, the ground it was built on couldn't support the weight. So the foundation was settling badly. The building was cracking up and it was considered unsafe. And two, it had already become too small for how much the federal government had grown in Chicago in that short time span. In other words, government incompetence and poor planning from the get-go doomed what should have been a magnificent building for decades. So it had to go. But the federal government's poor planning and bad execution worked out well for Father Grutza and the Poles of St. Joseph at Parish. And how? Father Grutza bought the whole lot of salvaged material, every block of stone, every handrail, every doorknob, every light fixture, every wooden door, everything for just $20,000. This was a bargain because the price tag for the materials in Brielmeyer's original design was about $50,000. For perspective, the total of $50,000 would be about $1.5 million today, and they ended up spending the equivalent of about 600000 So it was a large amount, but not nearly what it would have been. Exactly. So this was a great deal for the poor parishioners of St. Josephat. Father Grutza had it all put on 500 flatbed rail cars and shipped to Milwaukee, where parishioners were waiting to receive it all, catalog everything, and lay everything out in an organized manner in the grassy lot across the street from where the new church was to be built. But remember, the structure that Brillmeyer, the architect, had designed was all brick. This is a bunch of stone coming north on a train. Right. But Brillmeyer was brilliant. He took stock of the stone and proceeded to re-engineer and modify his design to be built from this reclaimed stone rather than brick. 
and in his design, only a very few stones had to be recut. Nearly all were used as they were from the Federal Building. So, like I said at the outset, it's like he took a Lego set marked Federal Building and instead built a basilica with it. (laughs) But even with the plans reconfigured, construction still couldn't quite get underway. There was another hurdle to clear. Well, to be more exact, another hill to climb, or rather, a hill to move. The new church was considerably larger than its predecessors, so a 30-foot-high hill nearby, which didn't matter with the footprint of the old churches, was suddenly in the way. Fortunately for Father Grutza, he had a parish full of faithful Polish laborers dedicated to this project, and they all owned shovels and wheelbarrows. So that mountain was moved, largely to areas along the western bank of the Kinnik River. Not quite the visual one gets when hearing, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to that mountain, move, and the mountain would move. But move the mountain did. Right. So the mountain thus moved, work began in earnest. Ground was broken in 1896 and the cornerstone laid in July 1897. It took four years to build the church with the labor done largely by the parishioners under the direction and guidance of Brielmeyer and his sons. Things didn't just go smoothly from there, however. In order to finance the project, many of the parishioners mortgaged their own homes. Sometimes funds would run short and Brielmeyer would pay workers from his own money. One worker, Anton Kasperzik, died during construction when a rope snapped, a horse got startled and overturned his wagon, and one of the massive stones came crashing down on top of him. But in spite of the challenges and Kasprzyk's tragic death, in 1901, St. Josephat Church was completed. The main dome, clad in copper, soared 220 feet in the air. In fact, when it was completed, the only building in the United States with a larger dome was the U.S. Capitol, And in the entire world, only five had larger domes. The church was dedicated with a high mass offered by Milwaukee's Archbishop Frederick Katzer on July 21st, 1901, with 4,000 in attendance. But even after the dedication, everything wasn't smooth sailing. Just five weeks after the massive dedication, Father Wilhelm Grutze, who had worked tirelessly to raise funds and make this dream a reality, died. Also, the construction had cost overruns of more than $380,000, and many parishioners who had mortgaged their homes to fund the project were in danger of losing them. The Archdiocese brought in conventual Franciscans to administrate the parish and retire the debt, which was more than $11.5 million in today's dollars. By the mid-1920s, they succeeded. The debt thus retired, they were able to focus on beautifying the interior of the church. The exterior and parts of the interior had been ornamented nicely with the brass fixtures and doorknobs, etc., from the old federal building. The interior, however, had only the stained glass windows, which were beautiful, they were imported from Austria, and the painting of the martyrdom of St. Josephette behind the high altar. The rest of it was just painted white. So they brought in artists to apply gold-leaf plastered work on the pillars and detailed oil paintings all over, especially inside the dome. The decoration was completed within a few years, and in 1929, the magnificence and significance of this church was recognized when Pope Pius XI named St. Josephat a minor basilica, the third church to be so honored in the United States. And, as far as we know, the only one built entirely from material reclaimed from a government building. An electrical fire in 1940 led to a slight redecoration of the interior as some paintings which depicted daytime scenes were damaged and darkened by smoke and had to be redone as nighttime scenes. Various storms and age have caused damage and deterioration to the dome and other parts of the exterior, requiring major repairs. In 1990, a foundation was established 
to take the lead on the repairs and preservation of this magnificent basilica so that the work of Father Grutza and his dedicated, faithful Polish parishioners might welcome many more to wonder and worship for generations to come. You've been listening to American Catholic History on the StarQuest Production Network. If you've been enjoying our podcast, please be sure to give us a rating and a review. To learn more about today's topic, to find previous episodes, and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com history. You can email us at history at sqpn.com or find us on social media at facebook.com slash American Catholic History or follow StarQuest on Twitter at SQPN. I'm Noelle Heaster-Crow. And I'm Tom Crow. Thank you once again for joining us on American Catholic History on StarQuest. quite the visual one gets when hearing if you have the faith of a mount of a mountain, mountain seed. seed. <laughs> I hope. Ay, ay, ay.